You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hockey fans, if you'd like a copy of my new book, Tales with TR, Fights, Film, and Folklore, head on over to flankerpress.com. If you'd like a personalized copy for $25 plus shipping, email me at terryryan2020 at gmail.com. That's terryryan2020 at gmail.com. Welcome to episode 76, Tales with TR. I'm your host, Terry Ryan. Ladies and gents, of course, this is uh, very late or early, uh, depending on how you look at it. But uh, yeah, I missed last week. I'm in. Buddy followed me and sent me messages <clears throat> and um, wondering why I was at the Leafs game. So obviously, I, I'm... I'm I've been in St. John's for, God, when was the last time I left left the Rock? I think it was a year and a half. June of 2020, I went to PEI for a golf tournament, July. And that was odd because, yeah, it was, it was kind of in the middle of the chaos of the pandemic. Not that we're out of it now, but anyway, I did travel. Uh, other than that, we've been on without getting right into it, just, you know, it's been a while since I traveled. So I was coming, I have to go to Sudbury for six weeks to work in a, in a film series. I'll talk about that soon. But uh, anyway, I had some buddies in town. So it was good to see Joey Wadden, John Daw, uh, Mark Power, Dave Roper, buddies of mine from St. John's and uh, Trent Samwith and uh, Ken Killer Reed. We all Took in a game or two. I went to both. We had awesome seats. So thanks to the boys for hooking that up. Rope Dog, of course, is the equipment manager, one of them for the for the Maple Leafs. So he's doing well. It was nice to see him. And uh, like I said, Joey and uh, Joey Wadden, John Daw, Mark Power, good buddies of mine from St. John's. So we had a good we had a good time. Ran into a lot of people at the game too. You got, I got to figure at this point, I used to go to the Leafs games and think, oh, wow, what a coincidence, you know, so-and-so from Newfoundland. Now it's just, you know, you go for a beer and you see half a Monday pond. You're, you're, I'm, I'm wondering like, I, in other words, I just run into people from, yeah, I, I, I ran into five people from Mount Pearl uh, during the two games and maybe 30 or 40 from Newfoundland. So the way I see it, of the 20,000 people there, I'm guessing that's what it holds around there. Like one or two are Newfoundlanders. So it's not so rare because like one in 20 people are from there. And, you know, you're probably a hockey fan or hockey community. So, of course, I know a lot of people because there's just a lot at the game. And uh, a, couple of, a couple of your hockey podcasts our hockey podcast fans, I mean, our Tales with TR fans. So, and I wrote down a couple of questions that I'll, uh, I'll answer for you guys. Specifically, Dougie. Dougie, I can't remember your last name from Oshawa, but it was a great time. We came out after the game. We hit the loose moose for a little bit. Dougie had some great tales. So, um, I'll get to his question now in a minute. But first of all, the Leafs played awesome. And a lot of people ask me sometimes in one form or another about the speed of the game. 
it had been a while since I'd seen an NHL game from that angle. Because even back in the day when you sit out, you either go in the rafters or I'll be honest with you, you watch it on TV, you know, from from the weight room or uh, there's TVs everywhere, you know. And I would usually watch it. Uh, if I could have gotten great seats, I'm, I'm saying when I sat out again, like 96, 97, I sat out like 60 games. So I, I know what it feels like or, or more. You know, I played in three games. I was in junior for a month, but all the other games. So there was a lot and I would sit out. It was nice to see an NHL game, but most were sold out. So you would go either way up in the rafters or, you know, one of the press boxes. Sometimes you'd be nice or, you know, fans would be nice enough to take you in one of the private boxes, which, yeah, that happened a lot, but still, you know, you're, you're way back, nice amenities and everything. And, and it's nice to have some food and some beers and watch, and the luxury of being able to walk around a kitchen type atmosphere in the private box, but nothing beats three or four rows behind the glass, man. And it had just been a while. And it was, people asked me, it was real fast. I think like, like you know, in, in my era, who would have been the fastest? Like no one's going to tell me that like Sergei Fedorov or Pavel Bure aren't as fast as players now. I don't think like the human humans didn't change. I, I, I guess if you went like Cyclone Taylor, if you went back a hundred years and they didn't have the same gear, but there's always been, I mean, we don't give it credit. Look, look at highlights from the fifties and sixties. You know, a lot of it's black and white back from the ice, but they're, they're cleaning it up now. And you can watch these guys are motoring Bobby Hull's motoring rocket Richard. It's called rocket for a reason. It's all relative. They're all skating out there. Probably didn't do as many, uh, you know, lunges or plyometrics, and his skates probably weren't as good. But you got to think he was motoring. And, you know, for my memory, there, I mean, there couldn't have been anybody going faster than Pavel Bure. And they would train. They would say, well, they train now. No, Pavel Bure trained. Valerie played on my team, his brother. So those guys were fast. I just think now because of the no red line, and because there's less hooking and holding and all that, way less, less obstruction, if you will, that the whole pace, the whole game is moving faster. And that's definitely the case. Um, little things, even like neutral zone regroup, for those of you that know what I'm talking about, it's basically just, I don't know, let's say getting set and uh, reestablishing attack and attack, okay, in the offensive zone, out around the neutral zone. Well, e even there, like what I found... D used to be kind of static at times, just like you'd give it back, be moving a little bit, but often there was someone there that was almost standing still at times, but now it's just all flowing. And that goes, I mean, there's no red line. Uh, so of course the big advantage there, I mean, being able to pass the puck over it. Um, anyway, yeah, the game is, the whole thing is moving. All the parts are moving way quicker. And I mean, as long as we're talking about speed and quickness, how about Connor McDavid's goal? And I know this has been overplayed. Why beat a dead horse? But it was such a nice goal that uh, it's worth talking about. And there's only so many players, you know, that consistently, again, the only one that comes to my mind is Mario Lemieux, that would go right at two, three, four defenders. You know, like your instinct as a hockey player would be to kind of maybe make one or two of them bite and then pull them over towards the boards and spread out the, 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 the zone a little bit so someone's open. And if nothing else, if no one's open, throw it into the corner, safe play. You know, I, I, I just, you know, and I've been, again, it's the NHL, but I'm just saying in my, I've been offensive in, in all kinds of leagues, even in the WHL when I was scoring a lot. And I mean, I'm trying to think hundred odd points is probably the, yeah, that's, I mean, the best offensive year I've had major junior good luck, but I never looked at a def, like four people and went right at them at any point. I would get it in the zone, establish it, work it around. I'm not saying I didn't make moves either. I don't want to put myself down. Um, or, or people of, or anybody else that could dangle. I don't know who was awesome back then. Tuxka scored a lot, Darcy Tucker, but he was more meat and potatoes like in front of the net. 
underrated talent. Lanks, well, Lanks led the league in scoring. Damon Lankow, he, he, he had breakaway speed. I don't, I don't know if he went straight at people and make the moves like that. Marty Murray was great. Uh, Peter Schaefer, which I think in our league, BJ, BJ Young, he would snipe. Patrick Marlowe. I mean, you know, there's, there's great hockey players. Uh, I can name you 10 or 15 from any generation of junior or minor league or AHL, but there's only so many that are going to look at four people and go right at them as a plan of attack and then succeed. And then it doesn't, it's just wild how in order for the highlight to stay a highlight, he had to score, you know? So after all that, you're still one-on-one with an NHL goalie and the odds are always with the goalie. Hence shooting percentage, breakaway percentage. The odds are always with the goalie, but he still found a way to not only score, to make a serious deke and, and the whole nature of the game too, the comeback. It's going to be hard. People are saying goal, goal of the year could be, that's all subjective. I haven't seen many better, although, you know, this day and age, there's a lot more. Uh, I think there's people work on skills a lot more. Um, The evolution of the game has brought us there. I don't mind saying that. I mean, we had wood sticks too. It was heavy. So yeah, they weren't even, um, that just wasn't in the toolbox. Like I don't even remember many toe drags. I hate to use Mary Lemieux time and time again, but he, you know, I remember looking at him. Like I remember Doug Waite with Edmonton made a toe drag once. It's gotta be on his highlight goals. He was a pretty good player too. Well, Obviously, more than pretty good, but we're talking. He wasn't Connor McDavid, but or, or Lemieux, but he would make a, a decent American player. Made some good moves. I remember him making a nice toe drag, and it being like a highlight forever. Eiserman like twice, I remember. But it just wasn't. The sticks were heavier, so I don't think all that skill stuff. No one picked the puck up on their stick. The only person I saw do that was Jeremy Hart from Grand Falls, Newfoundland. No shit. Um. Matt Colburn taught me to do that <laughs> when he was like 13 years old and I was in my thirties. Um, you know, and then again, the one piece stick is just so much lighter. Yes. Shots got harder. And I think everybody realizes that, but you often forget how much, I don't want to say how, how little stick handling it was something, but you know, the sticks were just heavier. So again, it just comes down to science. Just, you can't move the twig as fast. And I never even thought about it. My stick being heavy. I didn't think I had a heavy stick, but you know, I wasn't going to pick the puck up on it and go <laughs> um, pull the Michigan. You know, I wasn't, I went on the ice. I gotta be honest. It was, it was more hockey IQ and, and, you know, passing at the end of the game, at the end of practice, I often went out. We often went out, whatever team I was on, Junior, again, Tri-City Americans trying to get to pro. That brings back a lot of after-practice memories. There was a lot of shots, one-timers, skating. But I don't remember, like, a ton, anyway, stick handling. And when I got to Montreal, there's a guy, Claude Ruel. He was an aging legend at the time. I'm guessing Claude was passed away. I don't know. He seemed 85 then. Um, and uh, his methods at the time were simplistic would be a bad way to put it, I guess. But, you know, he was part of the old school, 50s, 60s, Habs. So it was very um, straight up. You know, here, it's, uh, don't put that today, what you don't put off today, what you could do tomorrow. I remember him saying that every day and go there and skate you and skate you. But that's one thing that he did a lot of. We, we used to work with, he'd, he'd throw like, you know, 30 pucks down in the circle and have you stick handle around them. And then when he blew the whistle, shoot, go stick handle for 40, 50 seconds, go hard in and out, pivot, puck, 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 puck. And then when he blew the whistle, shoot as quick as you could targets in that. I like that stuff. And, and that, I don't care what area you're in, that kind of thing can, can, can uh, improve your foot speed and your stick handling and your, you know, your hockey ability. Uh, so I, I, um, I do remember that, but other than that, I didn't work on my stick handling a whole lot. And uh, boy, there's some 
crazy creativity going on out there now. And speaking of that, man, I know a lot of guys, players are constantly down on him, and I bring him up a lot, but geez, it's great to watch Mitch Mariner live. It just is. He's such a creative player. Um, and uh, the other frustrating thing with the Leafs is that it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. It does to me, and it's not fair, I guess, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are, if I've ever seen any team in any sport that this year their fan base is saying, yeah, well, you know, do it in the playoffs. And that's hard because you got to go play 82 games as a bunch of guys and answer the bell. And uh, knowing that you could do whatever you want personally, you could win the president's trophy as a team, regular season, most points that is. But they've got to pull off something in the playoffs. And it's not even to get there. And it's not even to win a round. Maybe if they win a round, it'll be some level of success. But with the Leafs, God, the expectation, right, is cup or nothing. But I, I do think if they got to the second, third round, I think it would be a success. You got to start somewhere. The process has started. Patience is key. I know that's easy to say for me to a fan base that isn't, hasn't won since 1967. You know what I mean? They haven't won. I feel old. And they haven't won since 10 years before I was even thought of. And there's fans that are just as crazy about them now as there was then. Probably more. Which says a lot about the city and the team. It really does. I mean that in a good way. Can you imagine if every franchise had that amount of that loyal a fan base here's a shit burger for 50 years sell out sell out sell out merchandise yeah it's a winning formula off the ice let's hope this year it's a winning one on but i gotta say two great games that i saw and tampa bay boston i mean they beat them both well, there was a few guys missing, but hey, everybody got injuries. It's the way shit goes. They, uh, yeah, it was awesome. Uh, okay. Okay, here we go. Mikey. Mikey with M-I-K-E-E-E. -E -E. Mikey! Mikey! From Winnipeg. Okay. Terry, why do you think Cole Caulfield slowed down? Okay. Okay, Mikey. When you say slowed down, I'm assuming you mean statistically, because I don't think he's gotten slower as a player. I'm just So I hope I'm asking, answering your question correctly. Uh, unless there's something I don't know about, if they had time trials or something, and his speed went significantly backwards. I doubt that. I think we would have heard about it. And he's a young guy. There's no reason for him to actually get slower. Um, but I, I've thought, I've, again, the expectation is huge. The team, the Canadians, even though there was a lot of things that had to go their way to get to the final, they're still, they're not close to that team. You can point to price. And that's, I mean, probably the biggest reason, but Shea Weber, know. Right, Deneau, Philip Deneau was, was playing two-way hockey. And I think that's often underrated, um, the defensive side of it. I mean, that's just look at the stats in the playoffs of the scoring juggernauts that they ran into, be it Toronto, Vegas. Um, who was it? Toronto, Vegas. What did the Leafs beat? Uh, Winnipeg, was it? Yeah. Um, they, they pretty much shut down to a degree that the Habs, most of the uh, top scorers on the other squads, right? So on their opponents. So, so, and a large part of that was Deneau because he was centering the line that was put against those players. And he delivered, you know, and Shea Weber is a big presence out there, man. You take him out, plays half the game, Carey Price. 
You got to think Corey Perry had something to do with it. I love Joanne. Joanne is back doing okay. Jonathan Joanne, but you know, he's not physical. He's not, I, I, I don't, you know, unless he scores you a lot, a lot, a lot of points. I don't think he is as effective as Corey Perry, even an aging Perry. And last season was shortened. So those guys, like, you're going to get the most out of a 30-odd-year-old Corey Perry in a shortened season, right? Um, that's why a lot of those guys, man, I, I, I would, like, guys like Joe Thornton, I know he wants to play, and I really respect him for that, but I'd pull the uh, Kawhi Leonard kind of thing with those players because you know they're real good. But 82 games in the regular season, even if they play like 70 of those, it's a lot. But in the playoffs, in a little package, in a like two to three month spurt, they could like dig deep. I don't know, take a shot of cortisone. Heaven forbid I say that. Um, you know, not booze for a couple months, be in top physical condition. And, and they can get four or five years younger. So I think a Corey Perry that's well-rested, that's a playoff, you know, he's a former Hart Trophy winner. I just think he's a little bit more important than a, a beginning of the season, Jonathan Duran. Or on anything, Jonathan Duran. And no, no offense to him, but I don't know. Look at him. He's a slight player. It's not like Duran is out there throwing his weight around. I've, I've heard that he's good defensively. I don't see it, not with the Habs. Watch a lot of games. So what's he bringing, right? He's going to bring, he's a French player that will get the fan base really stoked if he scores a lot, um, which is great for Montreal if he scores. And, you know, I, I do wish him the best, and it's good to see Price back and people battling with mental health, and I, I'm, I'm an advocate for it. I, I don't like the way Joanne said it, though, and heaven forbid that, and I know I'm going to hear a come. I'm know I'm going to hear a huge fallout. I don't know what it was. He said he had anxiety, right? Like last year in the playoffs, and uh, couldn't sleep and all those things. But the, the weird quote that he used, and he said, "You know, I just needed time off to enjoy life. Like to enjoy life. How do you enjoy life when your team is in the playoff? I, mean, I could see saying, I needed time off to get over it. I needed time off to recover. I needed time off.'" because mentally I just wasn't focused because of all the stressors. I get that, but I don't get the way he worded up again. A lot, a lot of time. There's a lot of lot lost in translation. Um, when it goes French English, you know, so maybe he meant to say something else, but the quote I read was I needed some time to enjoy life. And I'm sorry, but I just wouldn't be able to enjoy it if, I mean, that is, is it the chicken or the egg? You know, what is stressing you? If, you know, I, 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 I could be real stressed. It, it would add stress to me to know that my team was in the playoffs, needed me. <clears throat> you know, again, I'm not knocking him. It was that quote, though, okay? I'm sure he needed the time because I know I'm going to hear it, but no one can question anything nowadays. I hope this doesn't get me in trouble. I'm not doubting him. I did find that quote odd. I needed time off to enjoy life. Like, geez, I can see recover. But were you enjoying May? You know, like with the boys in the third round of the playoffs, blood, guts, glory. Um, anyway, um, but he's doing well and whatever you, you wish people the best that they can be mentally. I know that if anybody knows that, I know that. So if the best possible thing here is that he's doing all right and he is scoring a little bit, just given my opinion, it was an odd quote. Um, but anyway, the Cole Caulfield, fuck, I ramble. Um, you know, that Trevor Zegras made a tweet and made a, a point this summer of, of saying, he said, you know, here's a hot take. I think Cole Caulfield is going to get 40 goals. And I found that odd, first of all. And, you know, they played together. I know it wasn't Cole Caulfield saying that. But I found it a little bit disrespectful, the guys that have been there. You know, here's, um, 
you know, Zegras plays on Anaheim. He played with Caulfield. It's nice to have confidence. But you're almost disrespecting. Like, Ryan Getzloff plays on his team, is a legend. One of the best players of his generation, for sure. A winner, a scorer, a great player. A Team Canada mainstay in his prime. And, you know, he's never gotten 40. I just can't imagine walking in the dressing room in, in like, 1997 and going, hey, Dave Manson, Damon Lankow is going to get 40 goals. How do you know, Terry? You've never played a game in this league. Oh, because uh, I saw him do it, you know, against so-and-so on Moose Jaw Warriors. Well, it's not Moose Jaw now. You know, worry about yourself. You know, here's the way we play. You know, and you might have the best kind of career. Michael Ryder is a legend, one of the best Newfoundlanders ever. I don't know if Ryder's had 40. He had like 30-odd, high 30s. 40 goals in the end. And to just say that based on what did Zegras have at the time? Like 11 games played, two points. I know they're both going to be great players. Well, I don't know they're going to be great. I know they're going to be regulars and hopefully great. They're good to watch, I know. But Zegras now has five points in 11 games. Caulfield, 10 games, no goals, one assist. I think he's way better than that. But I think people were just getting ahead of themselves. And to get caught up in the playoffs with Montreal, none of that was realistic. It was a nice run that teams go on. St. Louis went on one and won it. I don't know if it was quite as improbable of a run, but it was close, man. That happens in the playoffs. Uh, L.A., when they won uh, at least one of their cups, um, snuck in the last day, you know, but it's, it's playoffs are a different game in hockey, if nothing else, man. And Caulfield's a good player, so it's easy to come in and get caught up in the snowball as it's rolling. And people jump on that. But, I mean, the NHL is hard, and it's a long go. And it's it's one thing to win the battle, but you got to have your eyes open for the whole longevity of the war. And Caulfield, no doubt, he's going to be, a, I, I, think, I think he's going to be a very – a very good player, if not a great player. But I don't know if he'll ever get 40 goals. Jesus. Again, it's the way of the world now. Twitter's there for a reason, and people tend to put things out there. I guess if thoughts are shared more, there's going to be more of that. It's simply that a lot of the time. I mean, I just... It's one thing to go say it in the dressing room. It's another thing to type it and post it to the world. It's a different world we live in. Things are looked at a little bit differently. Um, the ego is defined, I think, a little bit different when it comes to sports and commenting and, and whatever that might be. But uh, still, it, it was going to be a, a hard road ahead. I, I, think, I, I think a lot of people just took a lot for granted. Ten games, one assist. Obviously, it's going to get better for the guy. Mitch Marner started, what, four or five games, nothing. Now he's leading Toronto in scoring. Great players find a way. I don't think Caulfield's where Mitch Mariner is, though, and I think the Habs are so bad that it wasn't just that he was sucking, okay? It was that they don't really want a first-rounder to be a part of that. I wouldn't. I think there's a point he does get a bit better in Laval. Clearly, he needed more touches. Ten games, one assist. You're starting to feel it. You're starting to squeeze the stick. They've got these injuries. There's... They look bad. It doesn't look like there's much going on for the Montreal Canadiens. This could be like a dismal year. We're talking like 20 and 60. This could be dismal. Do you really want a young player dealing with all those pressures, every game coming in, seeing you? Because there is something to be said for a losing atmosphere. Um, yeah, so... We just talked about Perry and Getzlaff. Uh, I remember those guys going down to play in Portland in the AHL, and they were already like fairly they, – they played some NHL games, had a bit of success, but they sent them down. They were 19 years old, 20 years old. They could have helped in the minors. And uh, they got sent down to the A. I don't think it's always a, a demotion as much as – I mean, it's always going to be a demotion because it's techni technically it is, but there's often a positive to it. I joke about it, but, you know, I remember – like I said, 
things in the very end went south, but I was in that position. And so I, not the same exact position because I didn't come in in the playoffs and be a rock star in the NHL finals, uh, Stanley Cup finals, like Cole Caulfield. But I mean, I remember being a couple times sent down and like you, you would think as a fan that you're always pissed off, but I remember being pumped a couple times. Okay, coming down to Freddie. Okay, Higgy's going to be there. Ash waiting for me, right? Okay, we're going to get a bit of confidence. Okay, I'm on the power play now, as opposed to being up and hopefully getting in the lineup. The odd time getting in and not getting much ice time, then all of a sudden it's 5 nothing, and you're losing again. And older players that have been there are dealing with it, and you don't know how to deal with it. And it sounds nice to, to go down with the boys and practice for a few days, hit Dolan's for a few beers, go on a road trip, Right, score some points. And pro hockey's fun. The A, as much as we joke, it's not as bad as you would think. It's the minors, but you know, it's still nice cities. It's not the same cities, but there's some great cities in the minors. And uh, your buddies are there. You're all in the same boat. You feel more on the same page because you're all down trying to get up. And you're all on a personal journey that, you know, the NHL, there's a finality to it. I'm not saying you feel like you're going to stay there, but you're not going to, you know, unless you make the Olympic team or something, which I don't think anybody's really thinking about when they're first making the team, the NHL, but you know, that's the highest league. So like you, you get there. And so the goal stops becoming, I want to get up somewhere. It becomes, how do I stay? And when you're in the minors, there's a lot of uncertainty that you're even going to get up for a game anymore, but you're all in on the joke. Um, and it's, it can be fun. And if you got some good leaders in the minors, which is another really underrated place to have leaders. I mean, you, you always, if you're a good organization should sign some guys in the minors that are a good liaison between the NHL and the minors that have been there for a little bit, knocking at the door, got some games in. Um, so. Uh, those guys are often the un sung heroes of a particular organization at uh, any particular time, um, which sounds vague, but look into it. Just It's good to have good leaders in the minors. Anyway, long, long way around it. I think Cole Caulfield is going to be a fantastic player. Does it surprise me he was sent down? Not one bit. And does it surprise me he had a rough start? Nope. Nope, not at all. Not to be cynical, but I can't say I didn't see it coming. It was hard to reproduce all that from a team from a personal perspective, if you're him and uh, often lightning in a bottle can come out the other side and uh, be a rain cloud. You know what I mean? But uh, future looks bright, just not the immediate future. Now on to Dougie from Whitby or Oshawa or wherever I ran in the outside the game. And I promised you that I would talk about this, by the way, I wasn't even going to put this one out. I was going to take a week off, but uh, I figure I owe the fans <laughs> like Dougie a podcast because he was pissed off. Where was it? I got up on Thursday and then Friday. I wanted my podcast. So I told him I'd answer this question. He wanted me to. So this is going to be a music question. Then we're going to go back to hockey before I, I'm off to Sudbury. Um, he, he said, hit me up with a banger from the 60s. Likes when I talk about the old tunes. So this banger is going to be. I'm assuming you meant a, a rockin' song, a rock and roll song that scratches you right where you itch. So for this one, I'm going to go with a band. I believe this is a one-hit wonder. I love the album, though. And it's called Count, The Count Five is the band. The song is Psychotic Reaction. So... It's a song that kind of gets lost in time. And when you hear it, it still stands up. But I, I, found when I, I find when I hear it, it's so different. And it's kind of, it, it, it's garage rock, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, the beginning of like the psychedelic kind of 60s part of that, uh, and we, which again, I keep going back to the Beatles. The Beatles weren't on that. If the, you can hear, I don't know if you can hear the Beatles influence but when the, the, the Beatles started to open things up and other like the Stones and, you know, the Who and the Kinks, they were all being influenced by each other. 
I think if you were here, this, the Count Five, once you hear this song, you, you can almost hear like the beginning of all that. There's a lot of, you, you'll go, oh, oh, okay. And the kinks came right after this. Okay, that makes total sense. You, you know, they were all um, the British invasion, but it wasn't just British, you know, in the 60s, the Beach Boys and, oh God, uh, there's all kinds of, you could, obviously all kinds of bands from the, United States, the Doors, the Beach, go down the list, but the British invasion to me is my favorite part of uh, 60s influence. And then it would probably go like California surf garage rock after that. And yeah, the, um, the count five were from, you know what I was going to say Oh, there it is. Okay, I'm just looking it up. They're from San Jose. But a lot of this stuff, if you go back, I first heard this song on a, one of those compilation uh, 60s CDs. It was called uh, Nuggets. And these bands, a lot of them, so the Count Five were only together from 64 to 69. But in that time, that's actually the perfect timing of it. Right, The Beatles hit Ed Sullivan, North America, uh, February, God, February 11th, I think, but it was February 1964. And that just signified, I think, I think a lot of people would say like a new era. And, and again, it wasn't just the Beatles coming and the rock and roll of it, but there was a lot of different things happening. And it wasn't just the Beatles type thing. In that time, 64 to 69, Motown took off, which was its own sound, Detroit Motown sound. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. <clears throat> a lot of like Smokey Robinson, uh, Diana Ross and the Supremes, that kind of thing. Great sound. I love that. It's one of my favorite sounds ever. It's why I love the 60s. There's so much going on. And there was, uh, you know, album art became a thing. Again, hello with Beatles, uh, you know, concept albums. Uh, surf rock. Ever listened to like, I don't know, Tequila by the Champs. You know, it comes out at hockey games, but that was an actual hit. Uh Oh, God, uh, Lou, uh, who's the champs? Uh, Dick Dale, Dick Dale. Um, there was some big time acts or the ventures. That's what I'm thinking of that were just instrumental. Right. And, and, and that kind of there was a whole like, of, of the top 40. There would be like five instrumental songs. My favorite instrumental would be Green Onions by Booker T and the MGs. Listen to that. And that was all really, if there's one song in this whole segment that you listen to that I'm talking about that can define what I mean, it's Booker T and the MGs. It's a great instrumental song. Probably wouldn't be, you know, I don't even know if anybody does that sort of thing now. I'm sure they do somewhere, but that really took off. And, and you know, it was all happening. And anyway, the Count Five were a little branch of that tree, uh, psychedelic rock, garage rock, whatever, but it's deadly harmonica. I don't know if I could ever say that. They're, they're harmonica, I love in, in, in a lot of music. Uh, Blue Rodeo, uh, the Jayhawks, Bob Dylan, could go on and on, but I don't know if I could ever use the term deadly harmonica like I can use in this song. Wicked lead guitar, too. And the song is kind of out of order. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't follow the formula that a lot of songs would, you know. <clears throat> um, doesn't follow any formulas. That are obvious. So anyway, check it out. The Count Five Psychotic Reaction and just a fucking unbelievable title for a song and a record. And if you like it, keep searching. That's what I do. I like, uh, I like, I go down many times uh, crazy rabbit holes like that. But uh, anyway, that's that. Uh, okay. Check out, by the way, I got to say this. I got to give the guy a plug. Brian Barry, I know you're out there. I know you're listening. And he calls himself now Shingle the Dog. Anyway, this guy, we used to uh, look it up, YouTube. Just check out his YouTube channel, please. Do me a favor. He's got some tunes. It's He's got a way of, I don't want to say so bad it's good because they're good tunes. I think if he ever, and he used to play these. So Brian's a friend of mine from St. John's, a few years older, or from Newfoundland, from Stephenville, actually. When I was in Fredericton playing hockey there, Brian 
was doing his master's or something. He was a professional student at the time. Brian was like 30 or 31 and still in Freddie. So going to school. So he ended up moving up to Nunavut and he, he lives in Iqaluit. I think that's how you say that. Um, and he, he's always been a talented musician. So now he does these videos and I've noticed he starts calling himself, I, I, I guess, Shingle the Dog. So if you can find it, yeah, it's Brian Barry, and he's got some good tunes, and it's worth checking out. Anyway, I find it comical again would be like I'm laughing at him. No, I, he's learning to use the video now. He was always a good songwriter, and we used to take him in, and he'd put off like quote unquote concerts in Freddie, like just in the house. We'd be playing poker, and he'd and we'd be all behind him, and you know now he's kind of into it. He teaches up north. He loves it. He makes good money. He's doing well. And he gets to travel two or three times a year. He's uh, set into his life and he's doing just awesome. I just don't get to see him as much as I would like, but check out his tunes. He's got a YouTube channel. And uh, anyway, I told him I'd, I actually didn't tell him, but Brian, here's your plug. I appreciate you writing songs and staying creative. And uh, I really respect that. I really do. Um, no matter who it is, no matter what, I tell you guys, and with Brian, it's not like it's a mental health issue. Like when I say to people, be creative, uh, a lot of time it's during a mental health segment and, and you'll, so it doesn't have to be like, oh, you're, you're going crazy and now you need therapy. You know, it's just people like Brian lives up North. So I'm, I'm assuming that at times it gets taxing. I mean, you know, I, I'm not, he obviously likes it. He wouldn't be doing it, but at times it must be isolated. And how are you going to get connected? Well, you know, you'd be creative. And now he's playing some of the tunes that I saw him write like 20 and 25 years ago, finding a way to, to record them and put it out there as a video. And that's what I mean. Like, it doesn't have to sell a lot. I hope he gets a few more views. You know, some of these songs get like 50 views. And I'm like, man, if only more people saw that, I'm not saying I'm going to sell them albums or anything, but it's nice, nice to reward somebody for their creativity. And you know, I, I often when I say writing is my therapy or, you know, and, and that could be a honestly that that could be a journal. It could be a story. It could be a song that no one will ever hear. It could be a, a short film or something that most of them no one will ever see. But it's it's just nice to channel your inner talents somehow. And that's the therapeutic part. You might even not you might not even know you need it. If you're at the point of like, you know, you need it, I, it might be too late. I just mean, you know, in some ways it can be, uh, it can be a benefit to the mind. Just trust me on that. And it doesn't have to be writing either. There's songs or music or poems or whatever, whatever your talent is, uh, do a puzzle. I find those great too. doing a puzzle, put on a podcast and do a puzzle. And I'm telling you, it'll beat Scrabble or Clash of Clans, whatever the fuck those are on your phone, those games, or Instagram, you know, scrolling through Instagram. Scroll through Instagram maybe, you know, 10 less times a day and find time to work on a puzzle and put on a podcast. And to add to that, throw on a podcast that's not even in your wheelhouse. What's one that I listened to today? So obviously, I listen to all the heavies, right? All the sports heavies. From Merrick with Sportsnet to Overdrive with, with TSN and, 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 and Carlo Koliakovo. First up to First Take with, with Stephen A. Smith. I like Charles Barkley's take on things. I love TNT now that they got hockey on there. So I'm all over. And then I might sneak in a Rogan podcast here and there. I think he gets a bad rap. I, I mean, he, they keep putting him in the news for like one comment, but he has three hour podcasts all the time. And there's like real educated people and uh, from directors like Quentin Tarantino to uh, scientists like Michael Pollan to uh, I, I don't listen to all the ones about the UFC because I like I, I like watching, but I, I'm just not that much into it. I, I can get into a storyline, I suppose, if it's the day of the fight or something, but there's too many other things to watch. To me, it's, it just doesn't. Yeah, but it, so, so when I'm listening to Rogan, although it can be informative, I don't 
really, I'm not big on the MMA stuff. But all the other guests I generally listen to. But even that, right, that's in my wheelhouse. So I, I uh, what's the, today? It was, uh, so making sense with Sam Harris. This one is pretty good. I got to be honest. He was a guest on Rogan. And I kind of got through the, the one I was listening to today is the future of intelligence. And to be honest, it's a lot of it was over my intelligence. It was over my head, but it was pretty good. Uh, another one, Dan Carlin's hardcore history. And Merrick showed up on that, Derek, Jeff Merrick one time. Um, but anyway, there's a lot going on. Uh, another one, Smartless is another good one. If you like to show Arrested Development, a couple of the guys there and Sean Hayes. They have good guests. It's uh, rather light, but it's it's all right. But anyway, or uh, Stuff You Should Know, uh, the history of coffee. I listened to that yesterday. So things like that, right? Like just throw something on. I think social media can be rewarding. You know, it's nice to see your friends doing well and whatnot, but uh, it can also be stressful and cause stress. So any other little break that used to be normal. And honestly, get a five or 600 piece puzzle, sit down with your favorite beverage, whether it's alcoholic or not, listen to a podcast. And I think it can be only, only beneficial. The NHL season is underway and drafting Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light up the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLE. What else? Terry, do you think because more and more athletes are playing into their 40s that this trend will keep up, comma, or do you think (laughs) I'm so used to to reading like that because I speak into my phone, comma, I'm actually reading it straight up. Or do you think this is just a unique situation with Brady, Chara, et cetera? Okay, that comes from Melanie and Moncton. So, um. Yeah, they can. I, you're, you're right. I mean, right from Chris Chelios played like he was 48, didn't he? In pro hockey. He was in the East Coast League last going off. Um, that was about 10 years ago. Uh, you're right. Brady's just an anomaly, isn't he? Uh, Zidane Chara. Yeah, I, I think maybe it's it keeps being more possible to be healthy into your forties for sure, mentally, physically, and I guess athletically that, that comes with it. But, you know, but the 20 year olds are also healthier. Uh, So I don't know. That's a great way to put it. Maybe I'll do some research before the next show, but what's the average age in the NHL? It seems to me it's gone down. So, but that could be just, my bias assuming eyes uh, because more and more players seem to make it when they're 18 or 19, right? Uh, there's all kinds of reasons for that, but so I won't get into right now, but you know, yeah, players, I mean, Yarmir Jagger, look, he's still effective and, and healthy well into his forties. I still think though that I, I, I think if I was just to say that, Oh yeah, well, you know, it's a sign of the times we can all be older and play. That I'm kind of taking a, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a little bit away from the absolute craziness that is Tom Brady, and by extension Chara. I think a lot of it with Chara, though, guys, he's six nine, and you know Chara never had. He, he's playing in this crazy fastest era that we've ever seen, 
And he's a great player. He wouldn't be there, but it really helps that he's 6'9". Because, again, it's physics. It's science. He's huge out there. So even if he doesn't score a goal, he's just preventing so many. Because if I look up, um, you know, if I'm a forward coming down and I look up and, you know, I'm probably going to go to the other side. So Chara does a lot without even having to do it. Because, if you you know, a lot of forwards aren't stupid. They're like, okay, he's 6'9", and he's 5'9". I'll go to the guy at 5'9", like try to get around him because physics says there's more room, right? I mean, that's not what you're thinking, but that's what you're subconsciously thinking. That's why you're doing it. So Chara doesn't surprise me for that reason because there's a physical anomaly about him already, right? Always playing. Well, he's He can play real. Like Gordy Howe did it when Gordy's, what, 6'2"? And, you know, you get you get slower over time. Your timing wanes a little bit, but you don't get shorter. And I guess you do when you're like 90. But So that asset that helped him Chara, when he was 18, is still helping him. Now, am I taking away, you know, it's not like Corey Cross played into that point or Darian Hatcher. There was a there was a cliff that they fell off in their late 30s. So I'm not taken away from Chara either. But I think even there, I think we're just assuming a little bit. Oh, Chara can do it because, you know, lots of players can do it now when they get older. No, man, he's still, Chara's a vegetarian. He puts time into that. I hear, I hear he's a vegan, which again, I'm not saying you have to be for or against that, but clearly he makes sacrifices, right? I mean, if you say one thing about my era, it was, it was in between my dad's era. I think you could probably eat whatever you wanted and show up and, and use camp to get in shape. We were a little bit beyond that, but I don't know that everybody treated their body like, like they do now. Like, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's become, ever so important to be physically fit and, and, and mentally fit. And I don't know if in my era, people were making the jump to the sacrifice to be vegan. I think if I'd said that to any veteran on my team, including the easygoing ones, they would laugh and laugh and laugh. Uh, <clears throat> but I mean, I haven't, uh, really thought about it since but yeah I, I don't remember now i know all kinds of people that are vegetarian i haven't eaten uh, red meat I'm, I'm, I'm doing a test for my own personal health i want to see where my cholesterol goes so i haven't had meat for a while and i'm going to get tested again soon my blood it's a long story i went totally vegan for three months um and then i went vegetarian for a few months then i went pescatarian which is adding fish to the mix for a few months and I take my blood each and then regular for a few months. And then I take my blood at the end of each time. So I'm definitely not going to go regular. I don't think I'm going to go the rest of my life. Not that anybody asked here um, and be vegan or, or well, or, or continue to never have meat again. I'm doing it now. I haven't had it in a while. It's been all fish. I haven't had any Turkey chicken or meat, but again, this is my own little experiment and it's not a moral thing or anything. It was for my cholesterol. Um, but I do it while I, I don't know if it's the absence of red meat or because I'm not eating red meat, I'm eating so many more vegetables. Like back, say a year ago, I've, so I've been doing this, by the way, this little experiment since the beginning of, since like late January. So I'm kind of seeing four times during the year, I'm taking my blood after eating differently. And at first it seemed like a big sacrifice. It doesn't seem like one now. And what I'm saying is that, you know, that I did that and that was kind of my own little thing when I found out I had high cholesterol. It's genetic, but I got to try to bring it down. But um, a lot of people are doing it. Like I talked to a lot of my friends and many have gone vegan. That wasn't even brought up. I don't know. I didn't know any vegetarians other than I knew Paul McCartney was because I was a fan uh, 20 years ago. And that's the absolute truth. And I, I'm not even saying at first I said they would have laughed at me and probably the case, but I, I don't even know. It was so far out in left field that I don't know if they would have taken me seriously. I don't know if they wouldn't have asked me to go see a, a team psychologist. I mean that if I gone to the team meal and said, no, nah, I'm going to skip out on the chicken and the meat today, guys, I'm just going to have some of this pasta and potatoes. I think I would have gotten what the fuck T bone What's going on. I think someone would have had me talk to the team psychologist. Yeah. So I don't even know if it was 
at the time known that it could be so beneficial, but there, there has to be something to it. What I find, sorry, I ramble. Yeah, where I would normally have spaghetti with the meat. If I take the meat out, then I'm having all kinds of peppers, onions. So it's not so much the absence of the animal fat as the addition of so many other things. That's what I think. But I got to be honest, I just feel way better. I feel way better, way better. And, uh, and I mean, that goes across the board to like skating from, from skating to yeah. Like even like hangovers, stuff like that. Um, although I hate hangovers, I just hate them. I can see one day, you know, I like to have a beer and, and so much of my thing, you know, people that meet me, Hey, T-Bone, you know, I'd love to go for a beer. And that's often what we do. We go for a beer and a beer here. And, hey, we have a beer. You know, we have a steak. Let's have a beer. Let's watch a game. Beer. Right? Let's go to the park, watch a concert. What are you going to do? Get a beer. Hey, someone get me a beer. There's always beer involved. But I guess there doesn't have to be. And it's enjoyable. It's just a lot of times it's not a beer. It's like, let's go for a beer. And it's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The sun's out. You're on a patio. Uh, you're, you're Some of your favorite songs are coming out in the background you know it's just an awesome day awesome and maybe you're on the way to a game or you're on the way to meet somebody somewhere later and all of a sudden that beer let's have a beer four o'clock in the afternoon right and it's two o'clock and you're at some club boom 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 right and someone's coming out and hey boys you know have let's have this other shooter along with whatever else they might have uh chase and tail whatever you're doing it is it, just like it's beyond the beer and I need to more often cut myself off after that beer or second beer rather than the 24th, if we're still at it, just beer, right? Like at that point, we're usually on rum and whatever and booze and whatever, whatever people are serving and doing. And uh, I got to stop doing that because the next day is often a runaway. But um, yeah, one day, one day, I, I, I think it'll be, uh, I'll be done with it, but it's not going to be any time, uh, obviously soon, but I do drink less. It was self over the last couple of years working at TJ's and all the best to them. I don't work there anymore, but you know, I drank a lot there. And, and then you start getting used to the hangover. Like Jody Temple says, it's practice. It's, it's, it's not an age thing. You think it is. Because you drink less as you get older and you go out for less of those nights. You're not up till five in the morning a lot. But when you are, it took me about two weeks. And I was at TJ's there a couple of years, right? Just stopped last month. Still loosely involved, but I was down there, you know, and, and, and I, a lot of people would show up, right, for supper or whatever at, at Green Sleeves. And AT Bone were across the way. And, ah, okay, come over for a drink. Well, come over to Turkey's or TJ's, you know, we'll watch a period of the game, have a beer or whatever. Those often turned into runaways, but, uh, yeah, it was after a few weeks, I was like, yeah, you know what? It's not, I, I'm kind of getting used to it, which isn't a good thing either. Uh, but that was a blast. Um, I'm just saying as a human, not as an athlete or a bar runner or an actor or an author, none of that, just where I am in my life, in my 40s, hangovers tend to be a lot worse. So with, with this new diet, I noticed that shit and uh, I still don't love them, but they're not as bad. Again, I guess it just goes, it's, it's math. You're, you're just putting better things into your system, right? Your life is going to get a little bit better if, if hangovers still aren't great, but they're going to be a bit better. Now I've been rambling for 10 minutes about who knows what. Let's go with one more sports topic. TR, who do you think will win the NHL scoring? Okay, this one comes from Peter Wedgwood. This can't, uh, Wedge, if this is you, although I don't think it says Fort McMurray. Um, I don't usually read out the last name, but I don't usually get the last name. Um, so Peter Wedgwood. Um, one of my best buddies is named Peter Wedgwood, by the way. If I am talking to you, it's short answer, Connor McDavid. Who's going to win the NHL scoring? Connor McDavid. Um, I don't want to beat a dead horse. Probably, 
I talk about this all the time, but I, I see the same relative dominance to me. Like I've always said with sports figures, it's relative dominance. You know, you, you, Gretzky had 215 points, whatever, what, what me, David, or what wins it now? 120, 130, whatever it is it, to me, it's how many you'd win. So like if Gretzky or Lemieux won the scoring for 16 or 17 years in a row, it was one of those guys. I don't care if you get 50 points or 800 points in that season, because it's just relative. The, yes. Like, there are different rules. There's different equipment, but relative dominance. I don't see, I don't know. Uh, other than Dreisaitl, maybe he plays on his line and he's fucking deadly as well. And he's going to be in on a lot of the points McDavid gets anyway. So one of them could like miss five games and the other one could win. But I, man, I'm, I'm, they're mesmerizing. They're mesmerizing to watch. And Connor McDavid is mesmerizing. And he's, I just hope, Fuck, I really, really hope Evan to make a run because I just feel like it's a bit of a waste while he's there. But I got no reason to say that this year. Every other year, I've kind of said this got to be it. Like, you know, because you see these guys come in like McDavid and the, or Crosby, Lemieux and Gretzky. That was a little bit before me. I, I was, you know, three, four, five when Gretzky was doing it. I remember it. I, I just had nothing to compare it with. But I don't know, even even like Patrick Kane and. uh Guys that are Ovechkin, right? They, they come in and they're clearly, there's something going on. I don't think Kane gets enough credit either. He's still unbelievable. He finished top five scoring last year. Um, but because I think he's one of those guys. People don't add him into that conversation, but look at his points and his numbers and look when it's all said and done. He's going to be right up there in that era with the generational players. But, you know, they come in and, and I know there's 32 teams, and I, I, I get it. It's a lot of teams now, but they find a way, right? They eventually at least get to the final. Like Lindros, I don't think Eric Lindros won, but the Flyers got to the final in the first couple of years he was there. Um, after, yeah, and when he came into his own, maybe four years into his career, five years in, right? You, you get there, you're in the dance at least. And that's what's been frustrating about McDavid and Dreisaitl and the whole situation. But, you know, since McDavid was drafted, we're all watching with our jaws dropped, basically. Um, so anyway, I, I got no reason to think they, anybody can win. Anybody can lose in today's NHL, in any NHL. But it's far more likely today that, you know, the worst team could beat the best team on a bounce. But I really do hope that they get there because so far it's hard, hard for me not to think of it as, as wasted talent so far. I mean, you know, you've done nothing in the playoffs, but Hey, who do I think is going to win the scoring? Fuck. I ramble Connor McDavid, unless Unless something crazy happens, he's that dominant. We're, we're watching the, the same level of dominance as like, you know, who, who's my era would have seen like Tiger Woods. They would have seen Michael Jordan. They would have seen Wayne Gretzky and Mario Mew. And, you know, by extension, Yarmir Yager. Something to be said there, too. Uh, so. I think we're seeing that like all of a sudden you can watch a game and like this one player every time he has the puck something crazy might happen and, and probably will happen. And that's fucking exciting. I got to say, it's a breath of fresh air and it's exciting and it's so exciting and it's so positive that I'm going to leave on that positive note. Um, and hopefully, so I'm on my way to Sudbury for those in the area and uh, I'll be back and forth. I'm going to come to Toronto a little bit. I'll be back in Newfoundland now, at, I think at the end of December um, at the earliest. So uh, thanks a lot. Sorry about this late, late pod this week. Um, like I said, I've been busy and, and sometimes I got so much on the go that it's hard. It's hard for me uh, to, to be consistent. Although, you know, nine out of 10, trust me, every Thursday or Friday, you'll, you'll get another Tales with TR. This week now coming, I think we have Jeremy Yablonski or Chris Dingman. In any case, it's, uh, it's going to be someone interesting, and those guys are both real interesting for, for similar reasons, uh, and I look forward to that. So thanks again. Uh, if you're in St. John's, check out TJ's Pub. 
Green Sleeves downtown, uptown, Trinity Pub, great spots. Just get out and support local either way. Penny Posh, Women's Wear Reimagined, if you'd like something. Great Christmas presents, right? If you'd like something for Christmas from Penny Posh, let me know. We can work out throwing a book in for a hoodie and a, and a book generally. A hoodie is normally $129, but I'll go hoodie and a book for $99 because uh, during Christmas season, give my ex-wife some sales. I don't, I'm not in on Penny Posh, but uh, we work together on a lot of things. And why not give her a little bit of a plug? DraftKings, thanks a lot to DraftKings. I, uh, I uh, don't mention that enough, how much I actually use. I mean, they're a sponsor, but how much I or my friends actually used draft, use DraftKings. They've been great, so check that out online. Um, Wedgwood Cafe Catering. Uh, it's got a great, great spot at the end of Elizabeth Avenue, and it's uh, great catering. Check that out. Uh, let me think. I think that's about it. Oh, you want my book flankerpress.com. And if you want a personalized copy, just send me the note and I will go there. Uh, either send me the note or E Oldford, E O L D F O R D at flankerpress.com. Uh, send a note there saying you want me to personalize the book and I will, uh, but go through flankerpress.com to order the book. You're going to save yourself some money and we work something out. I know a lot of people want to support me and, and, and I really do appreciate that. Normally well, all I do is buy the books, then you buy them off me. So there's a middleman, but uh, they've been great. And we got a Christmas deal going on. So you don't have, I don't have to be the middleman, just order it through there. I'll sign it and it'll show up at your door for $10 cheaper. Uh, if you want any more details, just shoot me a DM. Listen, thanks a lot. This has been episode 76 Really looking forward to 77. I've had a great time in Toronto. Thanks. It was great to see my buddies again. Joey Wadden, Johnny Daw, uh, Mark Power, and David Rope Dog Roper. I'm off to Sudbury. Thanks a lot. This has been episode 76. Catch you on the rebound. Thanks a lot. See you later.